1: Let's get some mailbag questions, Brian, because obviously right now Notre Dame is you've got signing day is a little over, it's December 21st. So it's, you know, a little over three weeks away. The early signing period, which is really the early signing period, is now the new signing period. I mean, especially for, yeah, you're going to sign
2: like one kid in
1: February, maybe. Right. Right. No question about it. So uh, that's kind of where Notre Dame is, is focused on right now. They are going to look to, kind of have their class done, but also now December becomes portal month and there's going to be a ton of kids jumping in the portal. Look, mm. here's what we're not going to do at IB. We're not going to respond to every kid that to jumps in there. And, and, but oh, today God. we'll answer some of those because what people have to understand is 90 some percent of these kids that are jumping in the portal are either a, just not going to be fits in their name or B are jumping in the portal. Cause they already know where they're going. You know, and another part of it is, and, and we'll kind of get to this question here, Ryan, because somebody somebody brought this up. Antoine uh Porche Rudeau says, Hey, Brian, are any of the Tech and M players who have tra- who have tra- they're now in the poor, they've lost now four kids to the poor in the last 48 hours. Uh, are, are on Notre Dame's <laughs> list for guys they'd go after in the transfer portal. Antoine thing you have to understand is I know what we see, we see the highly ranked kid. He was he might even had a Notre Dame offer. Most of those kids went to AM with the promise of something that Notre Dame was not going to promise them in high school, and they're not going to promise them now as transfers. That's just what you all have to understand. Most, A lot of these kids that take the money coming out of high school that leave after a year are going to look for another NIL deal. They're not saying, well, I got my money that one time. I'm good now. They're going to look for another NIL deal. Notre Dame's not going to play that game, number one. Number two, as we've said before, it's really hard for Notre Dame to get undergrads into school. Now, I will say this. I do think it's easier for them to get freshmen yeah. Kids who are freshmen. But I don't know if that's necessarily the route we're gonna see Notre Dame go a lot because I think their goal is going to be more for let's plug some holes that we have on our current roster with kids who have a year or two left. Now, if it's a kid they recruited out of high school that they know that they have an established relationship with and that kid jumps in a the portal, then you may see it. But most of the names that we're going to hear in the portal are just guys that, that are just not going to be options for Notre Dame.
2: that were all grad transfers and one was a quarterback, one was a receiver, and one was a pass rusher, would any sensible person complain? you, no. you got to feel needs. No. Right. I mean, it's 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 really that this is a rare roster where Notre Dame is truly on the tipping point. Um, we can bitch about the kids they lost because NIL and recruiting or whatever, but every sure. it, that stuff is going on. Everywhere it's it's wild for every Nick Saban is losing kids right over that literally, so I I can tell you that from women down south that is no bull. So Notre Dame is very close, and they're just you know they're quarterback away from being eleven and one pretty much every year, and then you know even twelve and zero you know just a great game against USC or Clemson or whatever, and then you can be there. That's where the portal needs to come in, as Driscoll's talking about. If you can get a pass rusher, I think that's the biggest need for next year, a pure edge rusher, which everybody wants. That's super hard. I'm not saying that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but if they get that to go with Benjamin Morrison, take it away. The other team's number one, right. Good luck outscoring Notre Dame. Once they have a quarterback. Right. they're going to get a quarterback. I'm completely confident yeah. because the kid is going to know he's going to come in and play.
1: Well, we're it's seeing that fall too, fall. Brian, is we're seeing kids looking at Notre Dame's roster and saying like, they actually have a lot. Like, I, yes. I I think the people that are most down on Notre Dame's roster are a lot of Notre Dame fans. I mean, other oh, teams no. have, look. Notre Dame could go win the national title next year and fans of other teams are going to be like, wow, I you know, they shouldn't have been there and they don't have players and they're slow. I'm talking about like, when you look around the country, when I talk to people that I know in the scouting industry and people that I know in the coaching business, they're like, I don't think people realize how much talent Notre Dame has. The thing that's been lacking is, I think corner consistently at corner. They've had some good corner tandems, but it's just in spurts, right? It's yeah. like a couple years here, and then a couple years there, and then, you know, and it's it's not consistent, right? But what I think about, uh, you, you, obviously, you, your corner recruiting has been elevated significantly under Mike Mickens. But you know, when 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 you you kind of look at it, Brian, you know, man kids are going to look at this roster and say, boy, they got great offensive line, lots of tight ends, receivers that can play. They're going to watch Deion Coles and be like, where's this kid been all year? You know, they look at the running backs thinking, man, you give this kid a quarterback. We talked about this with Kenny Minchie. That's part of the reason Kenny Minchie gave Notre Dame another look. He's like, hey, you know, they got the number one receiver class coming in the country. They're loaded at running back, and they're bringing in two more dudes next year. You know, they're bringing in a bunch of great offensive linemen. Like, give me that. I, I, I can be the missing piece. There's a lot of quarterbacks around the country looking at Notre Dame like that. And then Brian also said they're also going to look at the current depth chart and be like, yeah, I can I can do something with that, you know.
2: Especially once number 15 is healthy.
1: I think right. that will. Oh, yeah. It, look. Yep.
2: You don't have to be a very good scout to figure that one out.
1: Right. <laughs> but apparently it took Notre Dame a while to figure it out. No comment. Uh, anyway. All right. Let's get to uh, – there's another question, too, speaking of this, the portal stuff. Uh, Jeff Fluke said thoughts on the start of the mass exodus from texas a&m we're gonna see this happen a lot more oh. than people think because these I have kids a of
2: comments on that yes I do.
1: i'll I'll let you follow up brian <laughs> it, it people have to understand when these kids get bought like this and i'm not even necessarily inferring anything nefarious because it's basically the rules now and they're not gonna do anything about it but these kids aren't going to these schools because they see a vision of i want to go there and win a championship and do all that they're saying you're gonna offer me how much cool so when they get there and things don't work out their way, and now you've got the, it's a double edge. So it's a double like negative, like these two whole horrible things have happened at once, right? Uh, a, a completely unregulated NIL with this one-time transfer portal. So yep. kids are going to get their payouts right away. And then they're going to say, okay, I'm going to get back in a portal again next year. And guess what's going to happen? People start throwing me new offers again. And you're going to see this happen a lot to these schools that are just throwing money at kids to buy them as high school kids it's going to happen a lot
2: here's the thing i'm in the houston area now and a few of the people i know have direct ties to a it's just a small world and one of my buddies his daughter is at AM right now and she loves football and i said well what's the what's the vibe there i said do they all do all the students hate jimbo and she's a real nice girl, but she kind of looked at me. She goes, everybody wants to go like, like I was throwing a spider at her. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. she just hearing his name out loud. Mm-hmm. So something is a goofy there. I don't know what happened because obviously at one point he was a good coach. They won a national title at Florida State. Not debating yeah. that. Something has just gone flat out sideways. Yeah. This might be a 30 for 30. I, I I'd be shocked if it's not actually. Yeah. In about 10 years?
1: How the number one, how the best recruiting class of all time. Just went into the toilet. Fizzled after, yeah.
2: I'm not going to name names. I already know one kid that's leaving that is going to irk a lot of A&M fans if he's not already in. i got to check and see. But it's the kind of player that changes programs. That can't happen all at once. And like you said, several of these kids all at once. I can tell you from being somebody who is deeply involved with seven on seven, the elite players all talk to each other, not mm-hmm. just in the same community, not just from the same state, but if there's an elite D lineman in South Florida, which they always have one, he'll know a guy in LA. He'll know a guy in Dallas. He'll mm-hmm. know a guy in Ohio. And if they end up at the same school, they will make group. Dec- it's weird. They make more group decisions about stuff now. And I don't know why that is, But if something goes sideways, it can get ugly. If A&M lost half of that class from this past year, it would not surprise me from what
1: I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, same. The only other
2: thing I'll add to this, and this is totally up for debate and I don't have a personal opinion. What Driscoll just said, these kids were getting money, not just A&M, but God knows how many different schools Louisville is trying to do with this class, et cetera. How many schools are going to take transfers and throw the bag of money at them for a second time when they took money and then ran. Right. I'm curious to see that. Sadly, a lot
1: will. I mean, that's these teams are so – first of all, uh, some of these collectives, they don't even have like any control over, you know, and and that's what's getting insane about it. But, yeah, a lot of these – because here's what's going to happen. They're going to have to go somewhere to replace the kids that they're losing in the portal.
4: And that's what's going to make
1: this thing so incestuous. It's just going to be like like, – It's it's about value. Some of these kids are smart. Do I have more value to these teams knowing I have two or three years left or more value if I wait here and then be a one-time transfer, right, where the shine isn't off of me yet because I was only here one year at whatever school, whereas if you're sitting on the bench for three years, the shine is off. I mean, that's that's what I think is going to happen. I mean, I I just – I see it. I've been pretty kind of right about this stuff. I've nailed this stuff so far. I kept telling people this transfer portal thing is not going to be a thing that creates parity. It's going to create even wider divisions. Yep. Because Alabama, yep. the USCs, the Ohio States, the teams like that are going to start taking the best players from Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Indiana and all these other kind of schools. That's what's going to happen. Right. And, and you know, it's the NIL. We, we knew what was coming there. I mean, that was incredibly. i mean going to be a rocket science to see how that was going to go down with some kids. But the fact is, is not every kid. It's always been true, Brian. You've been, you and I've been doing this a long time. Not every kid is looking for that. And that's what, Not every big time kid is looking for that. And it's also some of it's regional, right? I mean, there's there's some of it's family. You know, there's a lot of different things that that are going to factor into this. Notre Dame will, will find their way. You know, and as Notre Dame players start getting more and more and more, which they're getting a lot already, and Notre Dame's what I think Notre Dame's doing with the nil, Brian, more than anything is start. Advert start encouraging these kids to advertise the deals that they're getting more. You know, because Michael Mayer's making a lot of money, the Adam Eolens yeah. are making a lot of money, Kyle Hamilton made a lot of money. I mean, Brain Lindsay made a comedy. He's like, Hey, I'm real happy with how NIL is going, right? I mean, you know, so so they just need to advertise. Hey guys, you're gonna get yours at Notre Dame. It's just, we're not going to promise you got to earn it. You know, you're not just going to get it because
2: go to class. You know,
1: yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Imagine that you're going. To- yeah, yeah, I know. Right. So <laughs> it, it's happening. It's happening. So it's going to be interesting to see how it, it plays out, but that that's why you can't go the Texas a m route. If you're going to buy players, I think actually USC is doing it the right way. Buy kids that you're getting as one-time rentals because then they come and they go and they're already ready to play. You know, like, you don't have to worry about developing Jordan Addison. And if he doesn't play in a year, you, you're, you're mad. He- he's going to transfer. You get him for one year. You know what you're getting. He's going to play for you for one year and then go pro. I think that's a, a smarter way of doing it than what A&M did. Because as you said, Brian, they're going to go from the number one class to the number 50 class in a year when you look at what's left. Like, if you re-rank their class after a year, it's they're insane. not in the top 25. It's insane. It, that's how I think it's going to This play might out. be
2: the weirdest recruiting flux in a 24 to 36-month Period. Because their class before that was really good too. And some of those kids are going to, it's unbelievable. I, I yeah. honestly don't know if it's out of the realm of Jimbo got fired this year because that the pockets there. Are, I know he's got a ridiculous, con- the oil money at AM is something mm-hmm. that cannot be defined with Yeah. Wins. So he's terrible.
1: Yeah, but then they go
2: be out and beat LSU yesterday too. So I don't I have
1: to. No yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> which I loved, by the way. That totally made yeah, yesterday a much better day for me. Made it a much, oh much yeah! When
2: I saw that score, I'm like, "This is hilarious." Yeah, because they almost who was it? They, they almost got it. beat by UMass the week before, if I remember
1: right. right. Well, they beat UMass by 17 and beat LSU by 15, so very very similar.
2: Very, College football very, is very, very so similar. wild. It's, so, it's why it's fun, though.
1: Yeah, and just so people are clear, when I'm talking about Notre Dame possibly looking at another DB, it's more of a, a corner, and it's related to the current roster. So before anyone was like, oh, Peyton Bowen it has nothing to do with Peyton Bowen. Nothing to do Smart with to Peyton mention Bowen.
2: That. Smart okay? to mention Because I know how
1: people are going to take that. Uh, it has to do with the current roster. Okay, just so we're clear and people don't go start. Driscoll said, you know, it's not what I it's not what I said. TJ Stalika, uh, I'm going to get this out because he has said this about 35 times. Brian, think we targeted the, corn- the Cincinnati cornerback who decommitted today, J.Q. Hardaway. I don't know a lot about that situation. He did not decommit today as um, he is a – uh, freshman at Cincinnati, so he ended I know portal. That kid. So I, that I don't, kid. I don't know a lot about that one. I don't know if he's a kid that Notre Dame recruited or Notre Dame knows. I'll, I'll do some asking. But again, just we're, we're not going to. If all we do is address every kid that enters the portal that people like, that's all our shows are going to be from now until signing day. Awful, awesome. right? I mean, please just, don't do that. It's just we can't do that. If we hear something, I promise you, we'll let you know either on the message board or on this platform, especially on the message board
2: jq is one of the longest kids i've ever met yeah
1: he's a freak he's six two right isn't he like really it, long he's, he's a pretty ripped up kid too if i remember correctly
2: remember like, the picture it, i sent you of him standing next to me he, oh he, that's he, who that was
1: Yep. oh i didn't know that yeah okay. about a
2: year and a half ago he's yeah. freakazoid
1: yeah zach martin says is billy shroud probably sticking to guard i know he had limited center experience look it, it, with a kid like billy shroud zach that's a very good question it's going to be about what gets him on the field the fastest I mean that's really what's going to come down to. If the path to playing time was faster at center, and he was your best at next best interior guy, you'd move him to center. If the path to playing time, and that's what they did with Jared Patterson. I mean Jared Patterson was not recruited to play center. He was a tackle, maybe a guard, uh, but it was more about look we're loaded, we're going to be loaded for the next couple of years. There's one spot open, and he's our fifth best kid. Let's move him to center. So I think guard is the is the plan as of right now, Zach. But if if they're in a situation where they need a fifth starter. It's a center, and he's clearly the next best kid. I think they'd give they'll give him a shot to play center as well. He was a guard in high school, guard tackle in high school. Uh, I think he was actually a tackle in high school, tackle and a guard in high school. Played some center in one of the all-star games and looked good, I thought. Uh, but just um that's kind of going to be. I think guard right now is where they're – because, like, right now, they're going to lose both of their starting guards next year. Zeke Corral's got at least two years left. Or, I mean, he's got at least one year left, potentially two if he wants to take a sixth year. So, guard's really where the battles are going to be. Zeke Corral was – after the first few games, Zeke had a rough time. But by about the North Carolina game, he started to settle down. And then in the last month of the, of the season, Zeke Corral's been really good. So, center right now is locked down for at least the next year, maybe two. Guard is where the battles are going to be. And I think that's where you're going to want Billy Shrouth is to be a guard because that's where, you know, he, he they love him. The staff is very high on him. You know, he obviously missed the spring because of injuries, but this is going to be a big spring for him because he's a very talented kid. And he's that combination of athleticism, length, and power that this staff really likes, really likes. He was my top lineman last year's class, Brian.
2: I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if he can compete for a starting job next year. I don't think it's out of the question. I know it's hard to no. be a starter as an interior yeah. guy as a sophomore. Yeah, but you don't think
1: so? That's but we've seen. Bad. We've seen he. We've no. I mean, no. Like no. It's like no. He's definitely definitely gonna be an option. Definitely. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. Um, no question, he'll be in there. No question, he'll definitely be in the battle. Will he get, win it? I mean, Andrew Kostovic's gonna be in there. Rocco Spindler's gonna be in there. I mean, there's Michael Carmody may be in there. There's gonna be kids battling for that job, uh, but they're they're definitely gonna give him a shot as well. And and look, we've seen Harry play young kids before and not just quentin nelson like i'm not going to go the anomaly yeah. you know like quentin nelson zach martin <laughs> but like we've seen you know, robert he played as a freshman tommy kramer started as a right re- as a redshirt freshman i mean we've seen Jarrett patterson started as a redshirt freshman we've seen plenty of kids do it it's not like it's a, a rare thing but uh and and a lot of times when kids haven't it's because like mike liam Michaelberg didn't start earlier his career because he was blocked you know by by this kid named mike McGlinchy Who's a pretty good player, you know what this I mean? Is so what it is <laughs> exactly, exactly. Got a some portal questions down here, uh, and some other things. Michael with a question this is Brian with Fickle leaving Cincinnati for whiskey. And I'm gonna ask you about your thoughts on that here uh, at the end of the show, Brian. Uh, would Amari Snowden be someone their name would look into? Thanks. So Michael, uh, good name. I like Amari Snowden, but they evaluated him the first go round and and just and and he wasn't um, he just they just decided they liked the other guys better. I could see them maybe making a run at him, but that's not one of the names that I've heard so far. I've heard a couple names and, and Amari's isn't one. I think they're I think they're more looking for kind of a maybe a guy that could be a slot guy. Because right now they have a lot of outside corners. You know, they have they have obviously Christian Gray and Michael Bell in this year's class who are outside guys. Benjamin Morrison, and and Mickey are ideally outside guys, although I think Mickey could eventually be a nickel with some technical work and things like that. I think they'd kind of look for a guy that's maybe a little bit more of a slot 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 type of guy is, is in the quarterback position. So I think that's more of where you're going to where you're going to see. And then uh, another we had another question about uh, where's where's it at here about the Ozzie Mac. Do you think Notre Dame will make a run at the at the quarterback from Georgia Tech who just entered the portal? Yeah. He's talking about Jeff Sims. I really hope not. I know Ryan really likes him. I think that's more so from a – from an, uh, uh, you know, Ryan's a, an NFL draft guy, right? He likes the tools. He's looking
2: at tools.
1: Yes, and Jeff Sims has a big arm, and he's athletic, but he's just not a real good quarterback in my opinion.
2: And he throws it teams with the wrong color jersey.
1: Yes, right. that was going to be my other thing. He <laughs> throws a lot of interceptions. Oh, and you can kind of chalk it up no. his first year to him being young, but he had 13 interceptions as in his first year as a starter. He had seven – so that was in 2013 – or 2020, he had 13 picks in 10 games. 2021, he had seven picks in eight games. And this year, he had three picks in seven games. So he has had 23 interceptions, and he's only played 25 games. Like He's not going to come to Notre Dame and all of a sudden be a 30-10 guy, right? I mean, it's just – there's way better options out there, including some on the current roster, like he's a turnover – he's a more experienced, turnover-prone version of Tyler Buckner. I mean, if you don't like Tyler Buckner, I don't know why you'd want to recruit Jeff Jeff Sims, right? And I think Tyler Buckner is a more natural passer than Jeff Sims in you know from what we saw in high school. So that's – there's a lot of quarterbacks that I think are going to hit the portal that I would look at, a lot. I think there's going to be some really interesting names in the portal this year. Jeff Sims is definitely not one that I would look at. And, I'm, Brian, I'm glad that you had the immediate reaction – like no. no, yes, a very strong no for us. Uh, here's a question down here from Gideon Rose Rosa. I'm just curious about Viper Portal and recruiting. So they will definitely have Viper uh, as a position that they will key on. It wasn't a great Viper year in in the national recruiting. Brian, obviously they missed on Keon. They made runs of, like, Caleb Herring and Shandavian Bradley. But outside of those guys, there's not a lot of Vipers out there. There's a lot of big ends in this class, but not a lot of Vipers. And so I think that kind of factored into it. And then they missed on the guys that they did like. So I think right now they're focused on the portal. But I think that there's also some guys in the roster that they really like and that I really like. I mean, Josh Burnham's a kid with a very high upside. You know, Jordan There's, Patel yeah. has another year. Aiden Byer can play that position. I, I wouldn't be shocked if – I mean, if for me, I wouldn't mind giving Maris Leifold a shot at Viper next year. I think he could probably do some things better there than, you know, inside. But, look, Josh Burnham, I think, has got a really high ceiling, like a really high ceiling. That's
2: I, the kid I'm excited about.
1: I'm very curious if he can make a jump in spring ball because, Brian, we saw him – we've seen him at games, but when we were – Ryan Roberts and I were at Syracuse game. And it's a basketball arena, right? So press box is really low. And we're on the Notre Dame side, and we're watching him go through warm-ups. And we've talked a lot about it on this show, Brian. Um, Sean Davis and I have talked about it in shows, and you and I have talked about it in the past. Notre Dame needs to get more of those guys, and when you look at them, like, yo, that dude just moves different than everybody else. They're getting more and more of those guys, right? The 2015 team had a lot of those cats, right? Will Fuller, Jalen Smith, CJ ProSize, guys like that. This team is – they're starting to get there now. Like Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo was that way for Notre Dame in recent years. But they haven't had a lot of those kind of kids. The current freshman class has a lot of those kids, and the 2023 class has a lot of those kids. Jalen Steen's that kind of kid. I think Nolan Ziegler's that kind of kid, right? Benjamin Morrison's clearly that kind of kid. Another guy that's that kind of – Tobias Merriweather. Janerian Price before the injuries, is that kind of kid. The other kid that's that way that's not getting talked about a lot now because I think people are – look – you come as a freshman, you don't play, people forget about you. They assume you're not any good and they move on from you. And I got to remind them Quentin Nelson played this many snaps as a college freshman. Yep, you're right okay? sure. Exactly. Uh, you know, Will Fuller caught six passes as a freshman. Equinemi St. Brown caught one. Miles Boykin caught zero, right? Like, you know, a lot of kids don't necessarily make plays, especially when you've got Isaiah Fosky and Justin Adamiola in front of you. Uh, it's going to happen. But there's a lot of people I know around the program that I put it, this is how twitchy the kid is even though they had moved him to defensive end and they were uh, building him up to physically be defensive end they have used him at linebacker in practices at times this year that's how oh, well yeah. he moves yeah just for need that week you know cuz if, if for different things but he's a kid that there's a lot of people in the program that are really curious to see what he does this off season because there's a lot of twitchiness there a lot of, now they got to still do their due diligence, look at the portal because he hasn't played yet. He's got to he's got to emerge from there. But there's a lot of people doing this at Notre Dame, thinking about him stepping up this year and maybe becoming that guy. And I would encourage you to go watch the last play of the game against Boston College, and watch him, Aiden <laughs> Gobira, and Jalen Snead on that play
2: they all watch the, the ball. Yeah.
1: Yes, and you' and J, Josh was from the back side, but Aiden just kind of comes off' like, okay, that's impressive. And then Jalen goes, whoo, and then Josh Burnham from the backside. It's just you're like that kid's built like a viper, but he runs like a mic. And that's what you're looking for. So uh, I think that's also why Notre Dame didn't feel the need to panic and take a kid at Viper in this recruiting class. And also another kid that could maybe – Preston Zinter and Drake Bowen are two, two other kids that could maybe play there if the need arose, especially Preston Zinter, who's a pretty good tight end. So they'll have options there. And and that's why they didn't panic and say, gosh, we just got to find a Viper some way, somehow, you know, after they lost Keon because you've got, you've got some talented options there, in my opinion.
2: Here's something else that's interesting. When I talked to Keon last and I asked him about depth charts and the kids that he'd seen at practices, he mentioned Burnham to me as the next guy at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I had no information on it. Keon brought that up to me, mm-hmm. so I thought that was interesting. He, Keon knows he's good, yeah, and he 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 sweats no fool. He he's he knows that he could bypass most guys, right? He mentioned Burnham, but whatever that's worth,
1: yeah, well, that's worth something. It. It's worth something. There's no doubt. We've got a super chat down here from a uh, Nick Baker. Thank you, Nick, very much. Hi, guys. Not sure I'm stating this question right. What rec- makes recruiting sites target certain kids, i.e., Peyton Bowen over Jaden Osbury, for example? I assume you're meaning like Peyton being ranked high and then other guys being ranked low. Um, honestly, Nick, I've given up trying to figure out what goes to these people's heads. I think a big reason why Peyton Bowen is getting a push right now is twofold. Number one is they're they're properly ranking him now, number one. I think he's kind of becoming more he's properly ranked. Yeah. And then number two, there's a push of he's, he's a kid that's consistent. They're they're viewing him and pushing that he's looking around. So it's a story, it's clicks. 100%. But he's a five-star kid. Jaden Osbury, I mean, there's no story there anymore. He committed another Notre Dame, he's not going anywhere. He, you know, what's what's the reason to bump him up? Right. So you're just gonna see him continue to drop and drop and drop and drop because there's no story there. And you'll see most of the kids that jump in the rankings in the the end of the year are either uncommitted kids or kids that are committed to Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia see those kids get big bumps. I've pointed this out last year. Alabama signed about seven or eight kids last year that like the next rankings after they committed to Bama, all of a sudden they have the skyrocketing ranking. Like I'm sure Alabama, that's a total coincidence, right? Sure. Alabama has
2: an enormous fan base coincidence. Yeah.
1: No, no, of course not. Of course not. So I think it's just storyline, but I think with Jaden, Peyton Bowen, for example, it's just him prop getting properly ranked combined with the storyline. There's no storyline with Jaden Osbury, in my opinion. There isn't. And like Drake Bowen, there's no storyline there. Like Drake Bowen, is a, as a senior in Indiana, plays mostly against upper-level schools, doesn't even play – he got like one game all year, I think, against a school of his level. He's a, a, a tremendous baseball player. And, and then you, he has – Brian, I'm, I'm trying to remember the stats that I sent to somebody the other day. His stats are just nutty. Let me, let me find it real quick. This was his senior year stats. Now, uh, let me find it here. He had – 144 tackles, five sacks, two interceptions, four force fumbles. He also rushed for 1,784 yards and 26 touchdowns. I don't care what level of football you're playing. When you're 6'2 and you're 230 and you can run like that and put up that kind of number, you're a top 50 player. But he's not, he keeps getting dropped in the rankings. Why? He's a white kid from Indiana and he's committed to Notre Dame. There's no reason to bump him up. That's why. And you know, some people may not like me saying that, but that's the reality of the situation. That's the only reason. There's no story there. If Drake Bowen decommitted from Notre Dame, which he's not going to do, not going to happen, hypothetical, you'd see all of a sudden his rankings would go up because there's a story there.
2: Yeah, even if he just took a visit to Kentucky or something, whatever. Or Clemson
1: school. Or, or Auburn or one of the schools that were recruiting him. Yes.
2: Yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, I mean, he Absolutely. Yeah. There's no quick – there's no quicks. He visits Notre Dame like every other week.
1: Yep. Let's get to some more questions. you got a super chat from TJ Fallon. Thank you, TJ. Brian, that play made me so happy. Sneed and Josh look so fast. Future is bright. Yeah, I mean – it, and Nolan Ziegler too. I mean, he wasn't near the ball, but you could just see like that kid's like six, three and a half, and he just moves different. And that's what I love about the 22 class. And as athletic as the 22 class is, the 23 class is even more athletic just from a number standpoint. I mean, it's a – Jaden Osbury, Brian, is a kid that I just don't think – I think because of the drop in the rankings and that he's not a real social media involved kid, you just – he decommitted and you don't hear a thing about him for the next several months. I don't think people will appreciate just how good that kid is and how dominant he is at a pretty good level of high school football. I mean, he did you see what he did to Arch's team and Arch this past weekend? They destroyed him. Oh, yeah. That kid is really good.
2: I met him at the Under Armour event at IMG. He doesn't say boo. He You know, he just nods very, very, very broad, much respectful. as a grown kid. Yep. Yeah, he 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 doesn't want media attention, which is not helping his ranking at yep. all. Yep. If he would have been still fooling around and visiting in Arkansas and LSU and Texas A&M and stuff like that, Auburn, his ranking be higher,
1: period. Yep. Absolutely. And look at the schools they beat them for, A&M, Michigan, LSU. You know, there'd be a lot of a lot more buzz. And it's sad that it's that way, but it's just it's just that way. That's the reality of it. Got a few more uh, recruiting questions here and then a couple others. Uh, ND Estimate Trucking LLC. Brian, uh, Rico Flores and the Texas Tech kids seem pretty similar in your opinion. What's the biggest difference and who can uh, see significant playing time first? I don't think they're that the same, though. I think Rico is more of a pure outside guy. Rico is one of the best high school route runners I've seen in the last few years. I mean, Rico is a really precision route runner. I think Rico is a little stronger as a player. I think Rico is more of a pure outside guy that can play slot. This kid's more of a slot that can play outside. Uh, I think this kid, where I like this kid more is – this kid's a better after the catch guy. You see it as a punt returner, mm-hmm. as a kick returner, uh, catching quick throws. Whereas Rico's more of a traditional receiver to me. So, and and who can earn the fast playing time? I mean, they'll, they'll both get a shot. I think Rico's foot injury might slow him down a little bit, but I think look, all five freshman receivers, if healthy, if they if they get Caleb Smith, all five freshman receivers would have a shot to earn a playing time next year. So, I'm going to be four scholarship receivers next year. I mean. It's just math. Yeah, exactly.
2: exactly. It's sad, but it's just math.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Dell. Uh, no, no question about it. Uh, Shanty Irishman says, uh, who is someone in the portal that could replace Michael Mayer and Fosky? Assuming they both declare. I, I I get where people are coming from with the tight end thing. Mayor's gonna be gone. You know, you you may you may lose a kid from the current roster. I I don't think that there's necessarily a need right now to do that. If anything, I would say go find a Go find a kid that in the 23 class you can land late or flip late. You know I mean? Look, they don't necessarily – they'll have – potentially have Kevin Bauman, potentially have Kane Barong, Mitchell Evans. You've got Holden Stace, Eli Raritan. And Eli Raritan got hurt early enough to where he'll be back next year at some point. And then you've got Cooper Flanagan coming in, who's a big kid who could help out as a freshman as a blocker.
2: Not worried about tight end.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm just – I don't feel the need for that. I just – there's other positions that have a greater need now. If you're in a situation where, you know, let's say uh, Brock Bowers calls and says, "Hey, I want to come to Notre Dame," uh, okay, we can have that conversation, right? But other than that, I think they're fine. Think they're fine.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Agreed.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, Matt Sometimes McCartney it's not adds, that complex. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Brian, would Austin Osbury be someone that would interest you if he were to hit the portal? I really wanted him out of high school. That obviously is uh, Jaden Osbury's older brother. I like Austin Mm. Osbury. I just, I like him more as a safety for me. Uh, I think he's more of a safety type of kid. If he hit the portal, would I be interested in Austin Osbury? Absolutely. I would. And not just because he's Jaden's brother. I like him. I think he's a good cover safety. I do. I like big corners, Brian. Like, you know, and it's not that he can't play corners. I think he fits safety better. You know, I like big safe, big corners that can cover, and moving them to safety. That that to me is the future of where I want to see defensive football, right? Or get a safety like Peyton Bone, who is a safety but could go play corner if you needed him. He
2: can like play running back, receiver. Peyton whatever Bone can
1: play wherever like he wants. But like, if I were to say, hey, they're gonna move Peyton Bone to corner, you you wouldn't be like, oh man, that's dumb. I don't think they'd be like, oh okay, cool, right? I want guys that can cover, and, and as many guys as it can cover as possible. And that's what limited this defense a little bit. outside of Xavier Watts, especially when Brandon Joseph playing the way he was, who do you really see at safety that's a cover guy on the current roster? That's it. Xavier Watts, that's that's really it.
2: Xavier showed me some things last night, and that's a good sign. But to your point about Osbury, look, Notre Dame is not dynamic at the safety position by any stretch. It's still open moving forward. They should at least consider their option. That's all I'm saying.
1: That is a position, Brian, where I think you'll see – you're going to see Peyton Bowen come in and get a chance to play day one. There, he's an early enrollee too, which is huge.
2: Hundred percent. I'll
1: be shocked if he's not in the starting lineup by middle of the season at the latest. Agreed. You know, but it's also a position where I think, depending on what you do at corner, and with the two kids you have, some you could there's some guys at corner that I think could project to be pretty good safeties as well if the need arose. But that is one of the few positions on this roster that you look and say right now with who's on the roster now, it's just not good enough. To be on that level. Now they're good enough at other places to overcome it, but ideally, you don't want to get into situations where you have to win games because of that group. It's just not, it's not on that level that it needs to be. There are some of those positions, but they're not alone. There's some other teams that are really good that have shaky secondary. I mean, I'll take I'll take maybe Ohio State's safeties over Notre Dame's. Maybe. Uh not their corners. Definitely not taking their corners. <laughs> definitely not definitely definitely not let's get to some more questions here uh, that's a good one matt appreciate that uh, here's one from jason sexton not sure what the ib crew thinks of him or how realistic it is but i like tanner mckee from stanford could uh, use another year to increase his draft stock a month ago i have said why are we wasting time talking about tanner mckee why if you're a quarterback that wants to go to play in the nfl would you leave stanford and not play for david shaw who's one of the better quarterback developers in the country in my opinion and i mean he turned Davis Mills into a third round pick despite the kid hardly ever playing. Now Davis Mills has talent. What I'm saying is he developed into that point. Quarterback development has not been David Shaw's problem. But now David Shaw's gone. And so that might change things a little bit. If Tanner McKee entered the portal, Brian Smith, would you make a phone call?
2: I would I would gauge interest. I mean, with what Notre Dame had last year. From the portal, is McKee as good or better than what they had last year?
1: Be it meaning, meaning Jack Cone or what the options were for this year? Cone. Like McKee down slow. Okay. Um, he's not as experienced, but right. I think he's got better NFL talent. He's got an he's NFL get, His arm. arm is pretty good. Yeah. So, and he'd be p- playing behind a pretty darn good offensive line. That's arm, what I mean. But, like If yeah, you
2: can but, run play action on second and four at your leisure with his arm, life is pretty good. Yeah, that's how I would look at it. Number seven, assuming he's healthy next year, is going to run for fifteen hundred
1: yards. You don't You're have going to, to still have run it. the ball a ton. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, they're not going to really change their offense. But David, even though they they switched it up a lot because they just didn't have the guys to run power football like mm-hmm. they did before, he did what he had to. But now that he's gone, I mean, I've heard different rumors about you know, who Stanford's going to go after. But that's a terrible job. Right. It's a terrible job. You're just not gonna get is, support. Yeah, you know, the administration does not want to let in the kids they need to play the same spots we bitch about with Notre Dame. Corner and stuff is really hard. You think it's bad for Notre Dame? You have no idea.
1: Yeah. yeah. So and it's not. It's it's much easier for Notre Dame to get high school kids in than Stanford. It's just harder for Notre Dame kids to keep those kids eligible than it is at Stanford. That's pretty much a well known fact in the yep. college football world. Yeah, it's not a great job. I just – I don't – his lack of mobility is the only concerning thing for me. Yeah, he's a pocket kid. Yeah. He's a pocket. but
2: You're not running RPO yeah. all
1: day. You're not. No. Well, you can run RPO. You can't run read. Like,
2: <laughs> well, my definition is the yeah. quarterback can move. Right, it, it was, right.
1: Yeah, you're, you're going to run the Sarkeesian versions of RPOs, which is
2: – Okay. I mean
1: – Pull and throw, right? I mean – but it, it you're not doing stuff that like USC was doing with, with uh, Caleb Williams last night. You know, where you're pulling and getting on the perimeter, or pulling account. and keeping, and things like that, or what you would do with Tyler Buckner, or things like you're not doing that stuff. Uh, he is a pocket passer. I, I, I like Tanner McKee's tools. This will be a conversation we'll have. There's just some other guys that I might like a little better. Be oh no, I'm right. not
2: saying he's. Yeah, under, I'm not saying.
1: I'm just giving my. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I agree. He
2: wouldn't did, be yeah. from who I expect to go in the portal. And there's a few kids that some people that are here probably if they came in and i said they should look at they'd be like why it's cuz their school they're attached to quarterbacks develop differently like we knew benjamin morrison was going right. to be an nfl player
1: right
2: the film is, is we've been yeah i mean it you know, I, I talked to somebody at notre dame and they're like he's three now right you know yeah. man, it's just like yeah, yeah so quarterback is just unbelievably mental so many of the kids that come out and I watch them throw at a seven on seven or something like, okay, but these are basic one and two read concepts. Yeah. And they don't have somebody trying to hit them. It's yeah. Quarterback is ungodly difficult. So if a guy goes to a small school and makes it hint, there's a certain guy in Buffalo that's done that. It's pretty good. (laughs) It just happens. You you can't look at the school they're coming from once they enter
1: the portal. Yeah. Can't
2: do it because it is random. But yeah,
1: like the thing I do like about McKee the, with the big arm, he would fit Notre Dame's run, play action, get the ball oh, downfield, yeah. take shots with the big receivers look. But I think Tyler Van Dyke fits that as well. I think Devin Lear would fit oh, that. That's yeah. another name that people brought up. Michael Rudiger said, You know, would you jump on Leary if he, if he jumps in the portal? But uh, to fit, I'll answer this next, Michael. But just to finish up on McKee. If that was the guy that Notre Dame got, I'd be fine. I'd be good with that. You know, I'd be real good with that. It's just he's another guy that you look at, and he's thrown 15 picks the last two years. It's just when you watch his film, you're kind of like you understand why. He played behind a terrible offensive line, and he can't get away he's from it. Like just, It's not always about bad decisions. It's like he threw a pick against uh, USC early in the game where it's like the ball gets tipped, like goes to his receiver's hands, and it's like it's picked off. It's like stuff like that. He would have such better talent around him than he's got at Stanford right now, especially up front. Well, I shouldn't say better talent, better coaching and and better talent, but not quite. I mean, they've got some talent on the offensive line. Of Stanford just, just coached horribly. So um, yeah, that's that would be that would be a name that I would look at. But another name is Devin Leary. So I've kind of gone back and forth on Devin Leary, Brian, because number one, I love Devin Leary as a player. Everybody knows that. We ranked him as one of the five best quarterbacks in the country coming into the season. Had a great year last year. It's just the injury history is what concerns me. Yeah, it's, now,
2: he's got an upper and a lower that are serious. Yes,
1: weird. and the upper one, the most recently was an upper one, so you don't know how that's going to affect his throwing. Number, But I will say this, getting Kenny Minchie, makes me a lot more willing to take that chance if that's the best option out there. Because I don't want to play Kenny Minchie as a freshman. I don't. But between Drew Pine, Tyler Buckner, and Kenny Minchie, if your transfer guy, assuming everybody stays, and Angeli, if only if three of those four guys are still on your roster with a grad transfer, I feel like if that kid doesn't pan out, you've got some pretty good options that can can play for you you know, With Buckner coming back, but I just don't want a roster with a bunch of question injury question marks. That's my big concern with looking at a kid like Devin Leary. But if you could tell me he's gonna be healthy, I'd say, yeah, I'd definitely take a look at him. There's no question. I mean, he he'd be he's a really good football player, and then you put him on Notre Dame's roster with the guys that they have, you're like, Boy, that kid fits that pretty well, you know. Um, would he be my top guy? I don't know if I really have a top guy right now, you know so another one that was asked brian is is the kid from my from uh from clemson dj uh, absolutely not absolutely not no absolutely not
2: something's wrong
3: there i don't know what it is
1: yeah it was bad look really 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 bad look
4: mypatriotsupply.com all
1: right here's uh some more questions as we wrap up here um let's get down to here brian uh tj says who's the tight end you mentioned from nebraska i don't know if i mentioned a ne- tight end from nebraska i talked about the 20 20- we've talked about the 2024 tight end from nebraska named carter nelson that their name was looking at uh but uh that's kind of yeah i don't know if that's who you're referring to we have a question here from uh, – actually, no, we already got to that one. We have Patrick Tolan with a super chat. Thank you, Patrick. Could Notre Dame bring someone like Shaw on staff, or would there be interest from either side with quarterbacks they will have on the roster in the upcoming years? Uh, man, if you could get – if you could somehow get David Shaw as part of your football program, that's a win. I don't think they're – I mean, uh, that's
2: – I can't imagine that not being yeah.
1: an automatic, to be yeah. honest. If he wanted to come, interest- like, mentor Tommy, I'd take that in a freaking heartbeat. I
2: I know he's had some family problems in, in the past. Yeah. Like his brother was sick at one point, this right. and that. My guess is the guy's wore out and wants to sit yeah. on his butt. Yeah. Which
1: – I think an analyst job could be something that could attract him. You don't go on the road recruiting. No. You're just sitting in the office. You can go, you know, you know, do whatever you got to do. I think he's going to do TV stuff. I think he's going to spend time well, with his family and then do some that. TV stuff. He'd be but, perfect uh, for like – yeah.
2: Pac-12 game of the week. Because
1: he, yeah, he does such 100%. a great job on the draft stuff. I mean, he's he's excellent on the NFL draft stuff. Like, he's a natural yeah. on TV. He enjoys it. He's smart. But, yeah, if – if you know, because everybody talked about David Cutcliffe and all that. If, if Tommy was open to it and you could get David Shaw on your staff for like a year or two to let him just recover mentally and emotionally with his family, whatever, dude, you don't even need him to be on campus just break down film and do zoom meetings with them. You know what I mean? Like just get them on campus during football season. So we can watch the kids work out and, and give some tips and stuff. Like I'd be, you know, I'd be phenomenal, but I don't see it happening, but yeah, absolutely. I would, I would do that. That's a 100%. Yes. 100%. he's one of the best offensive minds in the game. Like, look where he has failed in recent years is like with recruiting, uh, putting a staff together, being too loyal to assistant coaches that are clearly failures. Like, those are the things that have cost him at stamp not, not replacing guys like, you know, Derek Mason with equal hires. I mean, Derek Mason is such a significantly better coach than Lance Anderson, and that was a big drop-off defensively. And then you just leave Lance Anderson there for years to do a bad job. You know, those type of things are things that cost him. There's never been a question about whether or not David Shaw is still not one of the best offensive minds in the game. He flat-out is. And he is much more in line with who Tommy is than, you know, someone who, you know, Rich Rodriguez, you know, wanted to do something or something like that. Like, no, no thanks. I mean, yeah, offensive mind, but that's a completely different universe as an offense. David Shaw's a pro-style guy. Tommy's a pro-style guy. They like different things. I think that'd be a great mentorship if that was something that that both sides are willing to do. I just, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, like to you said, usually guys when we're reti- when guys retire like this, Brian, they want to take a break and clear their heads and take care of their families and do what they you know take a step back. But I I still make the call. I mean, I would have made the call thirty seconds after uh, the announcement was made. Like like it would have if it took me that long. Like, hey man, what are you doing next year?
2: <laughs> I, I bet you Saban's already inquired.
1: Oh no doubt, no doubt.
2: Not, not even if I make like
1: this. That behind. would just be so make me so disgusted if they replaced Bill O'Brien with David Shaw. I'd be so upset. Oh, I'd be so God. upset. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, David Shaw did retire. It was time. It, he had he he had done everything he could at Stanford. They weren't supporting him. You could tell he was just kind of coasting mm-hmm. there. It just and and I get it because you know why am I go bust my tail knowing I'm not going to get most of these kids in school, and then when I do find these kids, some school is going to come in with an NIL deal or this or they're going to offer him early enrollment and, and our school's not going to support it. And it's just like, I get it. I get it. You know? And But uh, his time as head coach was over. I just think it was one of those things where it doesn't mean he hasn't lost his My, I mean, his, his mind is still there. He's still a great football mind. All right. Yeah, so here's,
2: now the question is what's he going to be able to do long-term now that he's yeah. Is is he done? Done? That's my only question. Yeah. he
4: might
1: be. Yeah, he might. He's be. he's at that age where, you know, he's made a lot of money at Stanford. You know, he's going to be a guy that you know, he's fifty years old, so he's not old, but he's at that age where you know what? I'm just going to go be a TV personality for ten years and make a ton of money, and it's you know, the life is much better than being a football coach and do draft stuff, do game day stuff, and make good money doing that, and then I get a chill and you know. Live my life. Does he get that itch to? Co- this is the question. Guys do that thinking this is what I'm going to do. Like I genuinely think Urban Meyer is twice retired, thinking he was not going to coach anymore. But then he just as like, I can't, I can't not coach. Other guys are, Bill. Like uh, who was the guy uh, for the Steelers? Bill Cowher. Like it just the itch never came back. You know, just like not you know, enough to take a job. A, you know, he could have had
2: as many jobs as he wanted. Oh yeah,
1: some guys just don't ever, don't ever get that back. So. Uh, Skeet Davidson says, did we ever talk about Fickle to Wisconsin? We did not. And, Brian, I want to get your thoughts on Luke Fickle taking the Wisconsin job.
2: There's a lot of different things with this. Anytime a coach – and I I start with Notre Dame because I'm a Notre Dame fan. But anytime a coach goes to a school, what's their traditional weakness and does that coach help it? He's a defensive coach, but he's had ridiculously good corners. They've hit the home run on some shots in the dark at corner – That's just never going to happen like that again. And he wants to play cover one and all this. Wisconsin doesn't get those kids. I'm a little worried about that. Mm -hmm. Two, what's he going to do for his coordinators and stuff? Who's he going to bring in? Is Jim Leonard leaving? The staff is really my concern. They're never going to, they're not Stanford, but they have really high academic standards for a state school. They struggle to recruit elite skill guys outside the numbers forever. Can he improve it? Does his staff improve it? All of that goes together. It's all about recruiting and staff. He can coach, yeah. but I don't think he's a great recruiter anyway. And they hit the home run when they had a certain guy
1: who's yeah. now in slot
2: bend as well.
1: Two, two yeah, certain two. guys who and are who are now it at wasn't South
2: bend. Chad. Also, it's three, you know I mean? yeah.
1: three guys that were really. That's good I mean. recruiters. and
2: it's yeah. like, and I'm not yeah. picking on Fickle. He's a very good football coach, but there are certain schools just based on proximity that are yeah. up against it at corner, D-line, etc. Wisconsin's one of them. So yeah. do I think he's going to improve it? Well, it's going to be better than it was. I mean, that guy ran it into the ground.
1: Right. right. But at
2: the same time, I'm not sure they're going to get an elite higher out of this. We'll see. So,
1: I think he'll be a slightly better version of Bo Pelini. With, that's what I think he'll be. An 8-10 to 10 win coach every year, mostly
2: 9-10. 4-10-2, but it's in the Big yeah. 10 West. Right. And when they play USC, they'll get beat 38 But that's going to gonna change
1: soon. When USC and UCLA jump, they're going to get rid of the East and West, I believe, and and do different type of – I think they're going to go to pods is what I think I, I read that they're going to do. I'm Wisconsin not – I could be wrong just
2: on that. Wisconsin doesn't have the yeah. ability to play on the perimeter with those Right. Guys. We just don't.
1: No. And, and I don't think they're going to be able to he, – he's going to have an easier time getting those kids at Cincinnati than he would at Wisconsin.
2: Cincinnati has zero academic now, standards for athletes.
1: Some some trying. of the pushback that people have given me when I say he's not a strong recruiter is well, he was known as a really good recruiter at Ohio state. It's much easier to sell that. Number one, look, that's what it's Ohio your state. alma mater. You're going to have a different passion wow. about your alma mater. Right. And number two, you're recruiting in-state kids. Like Wisconsin can't make a living on when they got to go to Illinois, they got to go to Florida, they got to go to Texas, they got to go to California. They got to go all over the country and get kids. And you're just, he doesn't strike me as a guy. Now, again, Brian, to your point is let me see the staff he puts together. That's everything. But man. I'll just say this. Everything. I was not impressed by the replacement hires he made when he lost coaches this last cycle, last couple cycles. I didn't like the, the replacement he made for for Marcus Freeman. I didn't like the replacement he made for Mike Denbrock. I didn't think he did a great job in making replacements to me, to be honest with you.
2: I'm curious if Jim Leonard even considers sticking around. I, have, I don't know the guy. I don't know much yeah. about him. I doubt it.
1: Yeah, probably I would, another, call. It's another call that I would make if it was up to me. <laughs> so, oh, 100 yeah. percent. I
2: mean, he's he knows football.
1: Yep, absolutely. And then I think that uh, we're getting down to the last couple. Uh, the worst 2K big man uh, HD or big man HD asks, uh, will Notre Dame look at a transfer receiver this offseason? That will def quarterback, receiver and edge are three positions that you will definitely see Notre Dame look be actively looking in the portal for uh, this year. Then Ricky Harris asks, Brian, this is a long shot. You, know, you may not dig this question, but if Tom Clements wanted to come and tutor Tommy as far as quarterback coaching, would you think about that? Brian, I don't know enough about Tom Clements as a coach to speak on this. Are you more for, I mean, obviously he's got the Notre Dame and he's been a QB coach in a, in a coordinator in the NFL, but I, I don't know enough about his success or his knowledge or anything else other than his resume to speak on that. So I don't know if you have an opinion on that. I know but, a
2: little you know. bit just from one of our, former mutual friends, Samoji. Samoji liked the guy and all that. He's a pretty strong personality, and when he didn't get the Notre Dame job when he tried to get it at one point, he was pretty irked. He's an opinionated guy. Those kind of people as quote-unquote helpers, I'm not so sure that's going to work out real well, and I doubt Tommy is probably looking for a lot of – guys don't want people looking over their shoulder. It's mm-hmm. just it's just part of sport. It sucks for the team, but from a human being standpoint, I understand. I'd be shocked if Tommy would accept that, whether or not yeah. Freeman wanted to do it or not. Right. Just my opinion.
1: Then last one, we'll get to this one. This is going to be the last question because we got to get running. Brian has already given us way more of his time than uh, than I asked him to give, so we appreciate that. But this is this is something that's fascinating. Blake Jar says thoughts on Matt ruled Nebraska. I live in Omaha, and there's some some of their former players who hate that. There there are some former players who hate the hire. I heard from a guy that used to do some contributing for uh, for for Irish Breakdown who lives in Nebraska who also tweeted about this, and I followed up with him uh, on Twitter, and it was like. There's a lot of people in Nebraska that don't like this hire, and I think those people are out of their freaking minds. Like this is oh, yes. as good yeah. of a hire, and I don't even mean this is like, well, this is as good as you're going to get. I mean, I cannot dream of a better scenario than for Nebraska right now, other than like Tom Osborne gets reincarnated as a 35 year old coach. I mean, I I don't know what they're what they wanted. This guy is a really good football coach. He brings toughness and discipline, and he can recruit multiple parts of the country, which is exactly what Nebraska needs right now. He's the anti-Scott Frost. I don't know why – if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'd be doing backflips right now getting Matt Rule. Like you caught such a break by him getting fired by the Panthers. Brian, so thoughts? Because I I think people are insane for not – Nebraska for not thinking this is an absolute home run hire in my opinion.
2: Well, this is probably the same fans that still think Nebraska should be ranked in the top five every year. Um, I'm just going to be blunt about it. Good luck getting, just like we were talking about with Wisconsin, getting the players outside the numbers to go to Nebraska in today's political climate and today's world. They can't, What they recruit maybe five kids in state a year? Maybe. Yeah. It's, For it's about players. Yeah. It's yeah. it's about players. If I'll put it to you this way. If you made Nick Saban 10 years younger and he took over the Nebraska job tomorrow, he probably would not win a national title. It'd be possible. It'd be easier. But you still got to get certain guys at certain spots. It's just about the dude. Well, The end and corner being the top two. It's hard to get those kids to Nebraska. Rule has developed three-star talent. When he took over Baylor, that was a dumpster fire. And they they were really good, really quick. He can develop talent. He has an eye for it. He seems to like recruiting at least some. And he took Temple over. I mean, good Lord, was that a horrible team. So... I think Nebraska's
1: fan base is also very unrealistic about who they are as a program well, that's I what actually I mean. think yeah. the right coach at Nebraska can win there to the point where they are a consistent 10-win team who maybe once every decade has that team that maybe can make a run
0: well yeah because the they can get Jucos
1: they can get West Coast yeah. kids they can recruit Texas I mean you know if if you have someone who's a really good evaluator that's gonna because here's here's where they will get the athletes brian Finding that three-star kid from Florida that the SEC passes on, finding that three-star kid from Texas, the Caleb Smith, like Notre Dame is pushing yep. for right, that kind of kid, right? To find it's finding the Jeremiah Usakor Moas. You have to have a really good evaluator. And I think he is that. I think Matt Rule is he did it at Temple. That's how he won at Temple. He wasn't beating Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan and Notre Dame and you know, teams like that for kids from Jersey and New York and Florida. He was finding those kids that were low, low floor. Maybe high ceiling guys, those kids that that those sleeper type of kids that he could develop. And the other thing too is Nebraska had two spurts of greatness. As fo- f- from a championship level of football, they had the back to back titles in seventy and seventy one, and then they won three titles in was it five years under Osborne and well two and a half titles in three years in five years in the nineties. That's it, right? Like that's the that's their football. They, now they, they had really good sports. teams for a long time. Yeah. But they could never consistently win those win championships. I mean, again, do I think they can get back to that between seventy-one and ninety-four? I actually do think they can. I, I do believe Nebraska, where they're positioned, can find. an because here's you know who you know what kids that are like that that would go to that area, Brian. Kids who are just looking for a chance. Kids that got bypassed by all the Texas schools or the Florida schools. If you find someone who's a really good evaluator, you can get enough of those kids to be a pretty well, good football that's team. What but that's
4: the JUCO what
1: ranks this is the big thing. The JUCO ranks don't produce kids like they used to. And that's yeah. where Nebraska would find those kids. A lot, You know, the, the linebackers and the DBs and stuff, they would find a lot of those JUCO kids. And, and now those kids are just, they're, the, 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 they're not producing those kids like that anymore. And so I think that's hurt them as well. But your point, yes, that's what Matt rule is. He will find those three-star kids from Texas that you're like, you beat North Texas for this kid. This is a joke. and And you cry about it on signing day. And then three years later, you're crying about why did this kid leave early for the NFL? You know I mean? that That's who Matt Rule is, in my opinion. And that's why I think it's a great high- – and, again, toughness and discipline. Two things that that program is desperately lacking
2: that oh, I gosh. think he brings. Think about how many close games they lost in the last two years where it was a, a false start penalty that screwed a drive or
1: mm-hmm. ball
2: secured just something dumb, self-inflicted, to your point. They should have won yeah. – more than six games, both in the last two years, and they didn't finish five hundred either time.
1: Right. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. So ten day, ten day said uh, Nebraska needs to go the JUCO route. Give me my props, coach. Hey, ten day, I said it first, man. So I'm not giving you <laughs> any props. I'm just kidding. But I mean, that's the thing too is when you look at programs, right? We've talked about this with like Notre Dame, and people say, you know, why? Why is it harder to recruit at Notre Dame now than it was in the Lou Holtz era? because you could find a Ricky waters and a rocket Ismail in Pennsylvania and the Jerome Bettises and the Todd lights and those guys in, in, in Michigan where those States aren't producing those kids anymore. You got to go much further away than Lou Holtz had to go. Now Lou would go to Texas to get some kids in Florida, to get some kids, Brian. But if you look at the elite athletes they had on that 88 team, a lot of them were, were Northern kids. Anthony Johnson was from South bend. Todd light mm-hmm. was from, uh, from Michigan. Jerome Bettis was from Michigan or no, he wasn't on the 88 team. Uh, Todd Light – or I mean, Ricky Waters is from Pennsylvania. Rocket Ismael was from Pennsylvania. Now, you got the Pat Terrell from Florida's. You had guys like that in the early 90s. You had, you know, had, where, where was Tom Carter from? Was he from Texas or from Florida?
2: Him and Terrell played on the same freaking high school team.
1: Okay, so he was a Florida kid, yep, right? And you've Florida. got uh, Bobby Taylor was from Texas, I believe, right? So, I mean, you oh, started to get some of those kids. But that was after Notre Dame had won a title. Winning a title opened up that door that you may not have had. Early on, he was winning with Northern kids. Michigan and, and Indiana and Illinois and Pennsylvania don't produce the athletes that they used to. And we've talked about this. It's, it's population movement. You know, it's, it's 100%. More, jobs are now in the Southeast and the Southwest more than they were in the North, you know, as, as, as the industrial revolution kind of came to an end and, you know, not as much coal and steel and all these other kind of factories you start, start more, more jobs start getting shipped overseas and start importing those goods from overseas and all that other stuff. Um, You see, start jobs, start moving. And that's where, that's why you see the population shift. So now, you know, instead of Pennsylvania being, you know, in the twenties in the electoral college, they're at 18 now, and they're going to lose another couple here in the next, the next go round because you're just, you don't have as many people. And so as that shifts, you've got to recognize, there's more kids coming out of North Carolina. Now there's more kids coming out of Georgia now. And so that's, that's kind of the difference. And and Nebraska, you know, the, the thing for Nebraska is it's the JUCO thing. The JUCO ranks still produce kids just not as many as it used to juco was used to be a much more prominent option, especially when there was prop 48 prop 48 killed juco's like, cause you started getting more, more th- that allowed more kids to start going to college and sitting out a year, you know, and, and as they've kind of lowered the academic standards to be eligible in the NCAA, fewer kids have the need to go to juco. Now you're seven kids go to juco that are either get in trouble or aren't recruited by anybody. You're not seeing as many kids yep. go the route of, you know, um, Having to you know go in the JUCO route because they couldn't get into school somewhere. Those kids are much more rare now than they used to be. So um, I don't I don't think that's a good thing. You know, I think a lot of these kids could have benefited from going to a JUCO and playing for two years as opposed to sitting on the bench somewhere else for two years not getting coached. But you know, NCA doesn't care about actually helping kids <laughs> if you haven't figured that out by now. So anyway. Yep. That's it, Brian. Great show today, man. Really appreciate you joining me. Uh, always, always a pleasure having you. Uh, congrats on uh, being down the old, the old, the Lone Star State now making that move from Florida over to Texas and, and what went with that. So we, we appreciate that. We'll love to love to get you back on. Again, of course, here very soon as we get closer to signing day. We're going to have a lot of recruiting topics to talk about here over the next next month. So, uh, for Brian Smith, I'm Brian Driscoll. Thank you all so much. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Check out our main website at irishbreakdown.com. And have a great rest of your week. And we will talk to you again very, very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.